0: Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely. The ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello and welcome to You Can Talk To Anyone, the podcast where we open the bonnet on our communications engine. I'm Alex McLaren. And I'm Tom um, um This week we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to talk through um, a particular case of uh, communication and the challenges uh, that we were um, presented with um, in a training context, uh, suitably anonymized of course. Tom.
1: Yeah, so I had the... Good fortune, I suppose, to do an in-person training session, Alex. My first in about two years. <laughs> how was it, Tom? Um, I have to say, well, early on, I sort of felt a bit rusty, like, oh, can I remember how to do this? There's so much material which we had to junk because it didn't make sense delivered yes. remotely, and so much new material which we created, which was only applicable to communication via Teams and Zoom. So I really tried to orient what I was doing with these people around face-to-face stuff, real being in the room with other people stuff. And it was quite a generalized session. And in the afternoon, people were bringing their own individual problems and issues they wanted to explore. So this was a law firm. And one of the most senior people there was, I'm not sure of the exact hierarchy, but somebody who was running an HR team. And that's relevant because in a law firm, the lawyers are fee earners. Yeah. So they are making money for the company. But other people who are employed by the company, or firm, I should say, are drawing salaries. And or, although they are of great value, <laughs> they aren't actually bringing revenue in directly. No. Okay. I've heard them so called- they can sometimes feel a bit kind of
0: beleaguered. I've heard them described as fee burners. Um <laughs> fee burners, uh, yeah, exactly. To, 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 right. that, that's how uh sort of explicit the sort of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that, that itch so can facilities, be
1: facilities, HR, marketing, accounting, all of these divisions, all of which are needed for a, a large-ish company to run well. And this isn't a magic circle or firm, this is like a mid-sized firm. Uh, but uh, anyway, the person I'm talking to is Fairly Senior is running an HR team, and there's a directive from head office. So this firm is part of a multinational grouping. So they're responsible, answerable to a head office in a different country, in this case, America. And the Americans had said, uh, we want everybody in these non-fee-earning categories to start coming back to the office three days a week. Wow. Okay? So, knowing nothing else, I'm going to kind of drip feed information yep. to you, Alex. Knowing nothing else about the situation, what advice would you give to the person I'm talking to, who has to break this news to a team that's only been working from home for about eighteen months now?
0: Okay, um, I think the, so. This is it's, it's interesting uh, thing to do because they're basically saying there's going to be a global rule. Despite the fact that the there's been very different responses to the, the the challenge of coronavirus in different countries, um, I think I would uh, I think the first thing I would I would ask is um, how have you been communicating with people so far? I'd want to get some context about about how they they've been handing out news um, normally.
1: All right, so I'll give you a little bit more information. The person I'm talking to is fairly new in the role, joined during the pandemic, hasn't met personally all these people, but is aware that working from home has been quite popular. Mm. And it was sort of assumed that uh, a working from home, or at least a, a majority working from home, or working from home whenever you felt like it, would be the norm. So there isn't a lot of history to fall back on with this particular set of relationships. And this is not likely to be received particularly well. I'll give you one other piece of information as well, which is that the person I'm talking to doesn't think this is a sensible rule. (laughs) Thinks that more flexibility probably is warranted. Was a good thing. So now what advice would you give? Okay. Or do you have other questions you want to ask?
0: Um, I would... uh... I, okay, so um, I think I would be thinking, I, I'd. It, it's very difficult if I've got to sort of send out bad news that I don't agree with. Um, and so I'd want to think about, uh, I'd want to know if there are any way, if my mind would be, is, is changeable on this question as well. So for example, have they spent much face time together, um, this group of people, and maybe the news should be postponed until after that we have is there, do we have to make this uh, announcement immediately? You have to make the announcement now
1: because the edit starts on Monday.
0: <laughs> I wonder if I'd want to uh, firstly do it in writing rather than face to face. And uh, okay, is that
1: is that simple cowardice or yeah. is there a
0: uh, <laughs> rationale? Um, I think it's it's no, so not absolute cowardice. It was possibly it's wanting people to read it and consider it. Um, in the round, rather than it be something presented to them where their reaction could be witnessed. Um, because um, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be seen while I rant and rave and shout and uh, in front of other people.
1: There is a sort of formality mm. to that being written, isn't there? And that enables you to distance yourself a little bit from the bad news. Uh, this isn't me punishing you. Mm. Uh, this is simply... A fact about the world which we're all going to have to live with. So I don't think that's terrible advice. And I was teasing a bit when I called it cowardice. (laughs) So let's say now that um, there is a a team meeting
0: Hmm. uh,
1: which is in person. Oh, right, yes. Okay. The, The news has been broken. And at the team meeting, there's quite a lot of anxiety about this, quite a lot of anger about this. And uh, what you hope is that if you give them enough time just to kind of vent, mm. then you'll be able to move past this. So yes. regardless whether you think that's a good strategy or not, let's say that you do that mm-hmm.
0: and you, All you come person. back
1: to the next weekly team meeting, which again is in person. And that's still the only thing anyone wants to talk about. Yeah. What do you do now?
0: Can I ask some questions? How, right, let me how, ask you a couple of yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, sure. Would your
1: would your advice change depending on whether the person delivering this news is male or female?
0: More than that, it would be very particularly about the person who is in front of me. So yes, all those that, that sort of detail would would certainly matter, I'm sure, or potentially would. Um, uh, it was was it a chap? So or let's was say it a that
1: lady? this is this is a woman, right? And she is quite a high status player. And she's considerably older than a lot of the people that she's talking to. Does that alter the kind of advice that you would give?
0: So I'd say that um, there is a bit of a kind of a generational challenge in this conversation in general about flexible working. um, In which um, younger people are less invested in the advantages of face-to-face Um, work and they'll they have less history of it Um, and older people maybe will be less open to the advantages of flexibility Um, so that will be a relevant part of the of the challenge
1: and do you think that the person delivering the news should take ownership of it do you think it's better for this person to say i endorse this this is a good idea I think we should be doing it, regardless of whether that's what she privately feels or not? Hmm. Or do you think she should be honest and say, listen, I think this is a pretty dumb idea, but I'm just
0: following orders I'm getting from higher up, and we're all just going to have to get used to it? So, I mean, the way you're presenting that is uh, (laughs) somewhat loaded. I do think it's a bad idea to simply say, I... I, I don't really exist <laughs> i'm simply a kind of a mouthpiece <laughs> i am simply um, a conduit through which news yeah, exactly, flows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. bad for one's authority bad for uh, bad practically everything i'd say um but at the same time uh, i think to, to actively deceive people about your personal position on this matter is uh is, is i don't think that's going to be good in the long term so uh, i'd be looking for somewhere in between those positions <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kind of. I'm listening to the kind of the what you're what you're giving me, and wishing I was in the room with that person because I imagine yeah. a lot of things would become clear to me on a kind of uh, on a much more intuitive level.
1: The person concerned actually was a uh, a man, not a woman, right? And I think he was he was a bit more of a low status player. He wasn't a kind of mm. neurotic anxiety ridden individual, mm. but he was keen that the team liked him. Mm. Yeah, and I think that was his downfall. Yep. He was so keen to continue to stress that there was going to be flexibility. Yes, that it seemed as if there was no real clarity.
0: Yes, I was going to say openness you know, in inverted commas, which is such a which can be incredibly positive. Does sometimes muddy the waters because I think what it does is it, um, although it seems to empower sometimes the people that you're talking to, that you know. Theory that's a benevolent and generous thing. What I think it can often do is basically just give away the responsibility. Um, and when and it looks like you are uncomfortable taking it, which I think is why it tells such a, a bad story when you're supposed to be the person who's got this.
1: And I couldn't use this when I was talking to the person concerned because I couldn't remember the details, but I vaguely recall, Alex, that there's an example of kind of tough leadership from the movie Apollo 13. Mm which you've used as an example before. Is that right, or have I misremembered?
0: It's no. Okay, so this is really interesting, this, because um, I remember being very struck by it, um, and then um, and I've gone back to it. So actually, let's look at both of this. So uh, those of you who've never seen Apollo 13 should certainly see it. It's an absolutely brilliant film. Uh, it's directed by Ron Howard. It's very well written. I don't know who the screenplay's by. Um, and the story is, for those of you who've never seen it, is that it's, it's a true story, That the uh, the the thirteenth rocket in the Apollo sequence, um, which was after they'd visited the moon, they were they were all going up, um, and uh, they were going to land and carry out all the moon experiments. Um, This was going
1: to be the third manned mission, but already it had started to become kind of routine old news. Yes, another another Uh, Apollo mission. Here
0: we go. Yes, Um. uh, yawn. yawn. (laughs) It's absolutely hilarious thinking back on it, It's miraculous stuff. Um, the astronauts were all pilots, so they're kind of the people from a sort of a military background. So very male and very hierarchical, this is in the mid-70s. Um, now, one of the key problems is that there's a three-man crew, um, and prior to their heading off to the moon, there's an issue in that uh, one of the, the members of the crew, um, somebody in his family gets measles. Um, and he's had contact with this person. And there's a terrible risk that he will have contracted this infectious disease and will therefore develop symptoms when they are actually on the mission, which would have been jeopardized totally. Um, and so they tell the leader of the team, Jim Lowell played by Tom Hanks, that he can't have um, Ken Mattingly <laughs> because of the measles problem. Of course, this is a very tight team of three and... Uh, Lovell's furious about it, and he has this massive, blazing row in an office um, with his bosses, um, in which he says it's not going to happen. He's not going to catch the measles, and I'm, I, I feel that the whole that our team is totally jeopardized by this because we can't lose our key man. We work together like a uh, like a jigsaw, um, and they insist that if he absolutely won't take a reserve astronaut, then the whole team will be pulled. And it cuts back to the conversation in which. The three men are meeting, and Tom Hanks breaks the news to, uh, to the, um, God, who's the, no, it's Gary Sinise. Um, and when the, and the conversation continues, and Gary Sinise is saying, I mean, I'm not feeling ill, I think I'm going to be fine. Whose decision was it? And, uh, and Hanks says, This was my call. Um, And in what he's saying is that he's he's basically taking total responsibility for the final decision, even though he was presented with this impossible um, uh, choice. Um, He's not blaming the bosses, even though he was absolutely furious with them in his meeting with them. When he then goes and talks to his guys, he says, this is on me. Um, and I remember thinking that when I first saw it, is he actually lying that it was somebody else's decision, but he knows that the right thing to do is to say it's on me now? Or is he actually basically saying, I was, when he was presented with this decision, I, I was prepared to to ditch you in order to make it to the moon myself? And I remember when we first discussed this, Tom, you thought it was the latter and I thought it was the former. I've since changed my position, by the way. <laughs> I think ultimately. <laughs> right. I think I have too.
1: I'm, right. I'm very struck by your use of the phrase earlier, Like pretend you don't exist. Mm. I think that's a really interesting way to think about leadership and to think about your position in a hierarchy. Mm. Uh, Bad news is given to you by somebody to whom you're answerable. You now have to pass it on. And it's Mm. so tempting to pretend you don't exist. But Mm. if you take responsibility for that, that means that next time you issue an edict, it comes from you and you can lead effectively. And I think that's incredibly important. Hard to do if you want to be liked. And we all want to be liked. And I'm not saying that you should become a, a tyrant. Mm. But I think taking responsibility for the bad news that you have to deliver isn't a bad strategy.
0: I think so. It's also interesting thinking about the, just the, the scene with his bosses. He's absolutely furious. And then the scene when he gives the news, he's incredibly still, incredibly calm. And all of the emotion is taken out of it. I think when we are on the receiving end of information like that from senior people, are just sort of laying down the law we often feel that they aren't emotionally invested in the process at all because of what it takes in order to deliver that information in a kind of clear way but it's such leadership is such an emotional business it really is (laughs) um and uh i think if you uh, if you imagine that somebody doesn't care because they are passing on information in that sort of a neutral fashion you're simply plain wrong people really do care practically all of the time it's very unusual i think in which you get somebody who really is just sort of putting on putting out that information and don't care about it at all
1: Well, speaking of emotions running high, let me switch to a different example. Now, you know this one much better because you and I have talked about it before, but I thought it was another interesting one to share. Mm. And this brings up all sorts of other issues about how we communicate and how we deliver bad news. And in fact, it includes the issue of everything being done by email, because this entire exchange took place without anybody having to speak at any stage, And that in itself may have been part of the problem. But I really want to go through Mm. this because it's something I can't get out of my head. So once again, I'm going to anonymize all all of the details. This is a consultancy firm. Mm -hmm. So not too dissimilar to the law firm we were talking about earlier, but a slightly different field of endeavor. This is a company that we've worked for before. And I think you and I both have quite a good relationship with somebody quite senior there who's been responsible for booking us before. Mm. But just before Christmas, we were emailing back and forth with somebody new that we haven't met, I don't think we'd even spoken to her on the phone, had we, Alex?
0: I don't think we have, no. I mean, and, uh, though not for want of trying, part of what was happening was an attempt to get a, 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 a Zoom call, or. something.
1: And I'm going to call her Suzanne. Yeah. Okay. So we've never spoken to Suzanne, but we have exchanged emails with her. And uh, in an exchange of emails, uh, she notices that the other person with whom we had that long relationship has put a date in the diary for one of us, you or me, to come and run a session, which she hopes is going to be in person. Suzanne's picking up this thread, and she says, oh, I can see on the calendar, I've got this date. Uh, Is this happening? And you responded, "Uh, actually, I don't have that date either, but I'm happy to put it in. And she said, yes, if we could secure that date, that would be fab, and we'd like to run this face-to-face. And then there was a couple of other exchanges between you and her, in which you tried to speak on the phone and... You were sick and Christmas was happening and that didn't happen. Yeah. You then got another job and you asked me if I would take this over and I was happy to do that and made a note in the diary. And then about two weeks before I dropped her a line just saying, uh, hi, Suzanne, I'm looking forward to coming and joining you. Wow. Gosh, face to face. That's going to be exciting. (laughs) And I got the following email back, which I shall now read. Hi, Tom. Thank you for your email. Unfortunately, at the moment we are still working from home mostly and not many events have taken place in-house. Due to this, we have no events or seminars booked or planned. My apologies, I did not think this was still going ahead due to the no communication since November time. Unfortunately, we do not have the resources nor the training capacity for this to go ahead. My apologies, Suzanne. Now, the text of that is quite apologetic. Mm. The word apologies is there twice, Mm -hmm. as is the word unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But my response was incandescent rage. <laughs> and incandescent rage for
0: two reasons. When you reasons. say your, your response was, Tom, you mean your your personal reaction at home? My personal private
1: reaction. I did not put finger to keyboard. I did not pick up the phone. I simply fumed and stewed. And my fuming and stewing was for two separate but related reasons. Reason number one... As far as I can tell, looking at the email trail, she's booked this, Mm -hmm. she's changed her mind, and she hasn't told us. Mm. And so the responsibility very much lies with her. It should not be, I'm sorry, I didn't think this was going ahead. It should be, I changed my mind and I didn't tell you. (laughs) But the other thing which infuriated me was the due to no communication since November time sounded very much as if she was not apologizing Balling on her sword. I'm terribly sorry. This slipped through the cracks. It seemed like a slap. It seemed like I was getting a telling off. Mm. You screwed this up. You (laughs) were meant to contact me and you didn't. Well, you snooze, you lose, sucker. (laughs) So, (laughs) two issues here, right? Yes. Firstly, again, and we've talked about this since the very beginning of this podcast, Mm. that authenticity is a virtue and so is diplomacy. Mm. And sometimes the more you have of one, the less you can have of the other. So, clearly, it does not benefit me to give vent to the tremendous rage that I'm feeling. Yeah. But let me just take a little step back from this mm. and ask: Is my rage justified? Yeah. Okay, am I so, overreacting? Um, Even given that I'm not going to share this reaction at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Am I right to be angry, or right. am I the arsehole?
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're not the only options, Tom.
1: Oh, I do um, want an answer to that, by the way. And it's not a rhetorical question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, the the issue, I suppose the reason you and I were talking about it rather than I was on personally on the receiving end of all of this is that we were busy that day. And that's a good thing. Um, so I was kind of I was less yes. concerned about this. You know, it wasn't like uh, we. You know, this was a day in which which the, the firm was meant to be earning money and now wasn't.
1: Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't so yeah. concerned about the loss of income. It wasn't a very high paying job. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll do other work for this yes. firm in the future. It's yes. all fine, you yeah. know. Uh, we, we could weather the loss of this one piece of work. It was all to do with the way it was done and nothing whatever to do with the practical consequences.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, so I felt that your, react- that your feelings were not my feelings, so uh, I, was b- I was perfectly happy to ping her back and, uh, and uh, start the conversation getting it going again.
1: So the interesting question for me is, first of all, is Suzanne, do we think, cross with us? Does she think... <laughs> You, you idiots! I was expecting a call and I didn't get one. I feel unloved and I'm punishing you for that. Or is that apology sincere?
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, think it's possible
1: um, to know. But what's your
0: what's your guess? Yes, this is um, Schrödinger's apology. Um, it's, uh, we simply we simply don't <laughs> yes. know. Um, and I'm quite. And, and the fact is that I, I think I'm I'm uh, looking at this exchange. I am happy to postpone all of that. Um, uh, the sort of the sort of the, the, the landing of it all, the reality of it all into the future um, on the basis. That
1: oh, I'm never going to bring it up. No, 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 no Suzanne, exactly. Cool. Ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. And, and
0: in fact, and what I hope is that in due course, when the relationship is going absolutely gangbusters, I'll totally forget about all of this. And occasionally, Tom, yes. you'll remind me and I'll go, oh my God, yeah. Um, <laughs> because um, uh, th- th- you, this is, I always think that the, the pro of the paper trail of the conversation, the back and forth of it all. Um, in this case, it's massively outweighed by the con in that there's very little actual data to make confident, confident judgments about those precise things you think you're, with those questions you're asking, Tom. You haven't got enough data.
1: So it was very clear to me that expressing this anger wasn't going to do us any good no, at all. Yeah, and really. uh, e- either she was cross with us and would get crosser, or she wasn't cross at all, and would have no clue where this irritation on my part was coming from. But equally, there would be absolutely no benefit to inviting her to scroll down the email chain, or copying and pasting her own words (laughs) in which she explicitly books us, and proving to her that she's in the wrong. Do you remember uh, talking to a sales team with me? Uh, This is a few years ago now, this is all pre-pandemic in which they'd essentially been taught by somebody to, almost like a a barrister in a court of law, use someone's own words against them and trap them into a contradiction and prove to them that they'd agreed to make some kind of purchase. And I thought, I I can't imagine anyone feeling well disposed to the person who... Forensically exposes their contradictions. Yes. No. Why on earth would you buy anything this person is selling ever again? Well, so that was in my mind well, as well.
0: You know, yes, but I'm, and of course, I mean, it seems so self-evident that I mean, I remember I'm, I'm always trying to work out when somebody's doing something which is obviously catastrophically a bad idea, or or producing at least an extremely negative outcome. Why on earth you're doing that? And there's got to be a good reason. And my theory is that that somewhere in that sales process was the idea that that it does, doesn't matter what you're doing with what somebody said if you've proven that you've listened to them that means that you're great so, which is not necessarily true um, but the uh, so I think that's what's happening there my, my, my headache with this, um, this this email conversation that you're describing is I'm I, here's a question would it what, what do you think are the odds of it happening like this if you had met her first interesting I think if we had talked about
1: this session, rather than exchanged emails, I think it's much less likely to have gone down like this. My suspicion, thinking about it now, this is sort of two weeks ago now, is uh, she said, I'd like to secure this date. Imagine that uh, an extra step was needed before it actually was secured, didn't put it in her diary, and therefore, as far as she's concerned now, weeks later, it simply doesn't exist. Yeah. And she doesn't just have the, doesn't have the time or the inclination to go scrolling back through old emails to try and find out who said what to who when. So I don't think there is any any malice concern. And I suspect as well that she probably didn't mean her email to sound quite as chastising mm. as I took it to be. Yeah, I think, however, if we'd had a relationship and we'd met face-to-face and we talked about other things... And then had this exchange of emails. That very self same chain of events might very well have taken place.
0: Yeah, I think it might have felt different, or you'd have you'd have had you. I think you might have had different. Uh, just, just. Different, different human context. Like, for example, I mean, do you know? What, I don't know what. She, do you know what she looks like? I mean, it may be you just think no, I can't be too. angry with somebody who's uh, <laughs> who looks like that, or, it, or yes, it, 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 it just just that that because I, I mean, I it relates a little bit in fact to what you were saying earlier on the, the other element of this, in that uh, I think that what we're sometimes forgetting in a world of hybrid or remote is that some things can happen much, much more easily, quickly, and painlessly. When we are in real time face to face interactions, there's so much more information. I mean, we're, now we're doing these face to face training events. I was on Wednesday. The uh, there's just so much. You more chose
1: not to data. pick up the phone to her. Why was that?
0: When I dropped her a line after this uh, this horrendous incident, yes. just to sort of check. Yeah, I,
1: I, I made you. I made you <laughs> take it over, uh, and uh, you sent her some very pleasant, rather sort of you know bland. Uh, <laughs> never mind we'll, we'll do something in the future
0: cheerful chat kind of email that I, I, I didn't at that moment have it in me to write you know what I think it may have been that this conversation was happening um, in the I was talking to you about it in the evening and I wanted to get the message off straight away but mm. I can't remember <laughs> I see. think it might have felt like a kind of escalation possibly if one of yeah, us had yeah, I mean like ring you up and confront you yes and you know, wait a minute yes yeah Something like that.
1: You can't get away from a phone call. You have to respond there and then. Uh, You can take your time and consider your response if you're in receipt of an email. Uh, Because normally my advice would be solve a relationship problem by... If you you can't meet in person, pick up the phone. If you can't pick up the phone, only then send an email. Uh, But uh, get as close as you can to -to face-to-face. But here, I think it would have felt like uh, we have a problem here and I didn't know for sure that she thought there was a problem
0: yeah that, that, that uncertainty is quite interesting because I think as well that the something I, I I'm very conscious of it both in written communication and in face to face talking is that sometimes when we uh, when we do have a gripe <laughs> we want to conceal it and sometimes the effort of concealing something produces weirdness <laughs> yes. and leaks Um, And uh, and Here's the final
1: point I want to make about this, which is that uh, I think it is not impossible for Suzanne to have read that email over and thought, this sounds a bit like I'm telling them off. And she may very well have felt that. She may very well have felt, as I say, unloved and uh, like, we're bad communicators because we didn't keep up the chain of emails going back in Mm. November. But I think if I was coaching Suzanne, Mm. I would have advised her to fall on her sword.
0: Mm. Take the hit. And
1: take full responsibility for the screw up herself, regardless of whether she thought it was her fault or not, because that preserves the relationship. And I think the thing that's stuck in my craw here is that email demonstrates she has no interest in preserving the relationship. She doesn't care whether we feel warmly towards her or not. And that is unfortunate. And as difficult as it was for me to send the email that you sent, which I probably could have sent mm. given another 24 hours, I think she should have taken at least a little bit longer and sent an email back, which took a bit more responsibility for in the middle of a pandemic telling a small business that they weren't getting the work that they thought they were getting.
0: Okay. So here's and here's me taking her side for a second. Okay. Um, and I'd say one thing which I think you can always help is – what what enables me to to genuinely go it's okay that means we can start from a more positive place next time okay what is it to, that i need to understand to forgive all <laughs> and i'd say that something which is hard harder i think for you and me to understand is that when people are working in these terribly hierarchical Industries, Um, we have so much more freedom to take, really own stuff without people getting at us. You know, we're friends and colleagues and peers. We we were basically individual kind of operators. We don't have bosses in the way that these people do. We don't live with that constant anxiety. Um, and I do, I, I, occasionally in sort of like exploring different options with people, they look at me and they go, no, no, it's not going to work that way here. Um, and obviously, <laughs> I don't just take that as read first time round. You know, I kind of want to explore different options. But I do have to accept that the world they live in feels different to them um, than my world feels to me. Um, and it may be that I might feel a little more restriction. So um, if, if that helps, you think uh, – bless you, Suzanne, let go, um, uh, then uh, then I, I think I've done something good today, Tom.
1: <laughs> well, thank you very much for talking me through those two scenarios, Alex. Uh, I got a lot out of that conversation and I hope our listeners did as well. <laughs> uh, so... I don't really have any homework for this one. I don't know if anything occurs to you. Um,
0: I, I, what I'd love is for people to send in challenges in the way that you were presenting with them today. So if there's anybody who has anything that they'd like to uh, uh, to test us out with, then uh, we'd love to, to talk about it um, on a future episode. So um,
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. If you've got any what seem to you to be intractable problems... Mm-hmm. Uh, then do share them with us. And at the very least, we'll be able to commiserate. But you never know, we might be able to come up with a strategy or an approach that you didn't think of, or at least you didn't think of in
0: time. Um, we'd uh, love to come and work with you, um, either on Zoom or in your workplace. Um, uh, we would both be finding it tremendously satisfying to get back in the room with people and uh, look at the various different challenges and advantages of that kind of uh, of talking. Um, so please drop us a line at... Uh, Alex at the hyphen spontaneity com, or you can call the office on 020 7 7 8 4 0 8 0. And we're
1: also on Twitter. You can contact me at Tom Salinsky,
0: Or you can contact us at, at spontaneity shop um, and uh, we can get the Twitter conversation going as well. Thanks for joining us. Um, and please uh, do check our back catalogue of episodes and uh, and subscribe for future ones.
1: Oh, yes. And uh, if you you like what you hear, why not leave us a review on iTunes or your podcasting software of choice?
0: Thanks for joining us. I'm Alex McLaren. And I'm Tom Selinski. Thanks and goodbye. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with Alex McLaren and Tom Selinski. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. You Can Talk to Anyone is distributed exclusively by Acast.